Today we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. I'm in a goddamn good mood today. I've been trying to eat better lately. I had a dump so solid and healthy five minutes ago that I only had to wipe once. I thought it was a ghost poop at first, but I looked down and I could have built a two-story Lincoln log cabin with the materials I had waiting for me in that legendary porcelain bowl. Now, enough of all that. Today is the first time the podcastio will actually have a full Fu Manchu mustache in the movie we are covering. Is it culturally appropriate, Fu Manchu? Hell no, it isn't. But you know what? It's a start. That's right. Today we are talking 1980 space opera, Flash Gordon. Flash! It's a cult favorite of so many, so I won't waste too much time. But just know, although Max von Sydow sports the Fu Manchu in this movie, that actor didn't really sport a mustache in real life. But you know who did? The great Timothy Dalton, who is also a mustachioso on this show. We covered License to Kill some time ago with Matt Anderson. It was for a short time in the 80s, but God damn it, it was a hell of a multi bristled upper lip. Now let's catch a touchdown pass for the New York Jets because let's face it, they can use the offense. Then let's flirt with a travel agent, fall ass backwards into space, and save the world thanks to a jet ski spaceship and the help from a fucking boisterous Hawkman. Now play that shit theme song. It's the most podcast you We're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. The legendary hairy upper lips It's the mustachio Podcastio Welcome to the Mustachio Podcastio I am your host, Daniel Segura And today I welcome a fellow friend of the show His name is Steve He's a movie lover just like me What is up, Steve? Daniel, thank you so very much for having me For this momentous slash auspicious occasion For a movie quite (laughs) like this Oh my fucking god Thank you for this Flash! (laughs) That's the quick impression for the movie It was like if I I choked a crow It's like I loved it. <laughs> uh, I sure can't sing, but I sure can dance. Oh, hey, that's actually even better. Yeah. Honestly, I wish uh, I wish I could dance. <laughs> Man, I'm on the dating apps, and like they always have, can you dance? Mm-hmm. I say yes, but I know I'm not going to be able to prove it once he comes down to it. But eh, you know, it's kind of like kind of flibbing on your resume or something like that. Dude, anybody can dance. Just move to side to side, and it's all good. See, you're dancing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it works out as long as it does work out in the end. So, yes, we are talking Flash Gordon 1980, just full of wonderful camp. Steve, tell me a little bit about what, what, how did you, when did you first see Flash Gordon? How many times have you seen it? Do you, you know, like, what is your history with this movie? All right. Well, um, this is one of my earliest memories of seeing a movie. Um, I actually saw this when it came out opening day back in 1980. Uh, I was three at the time, and. Uh, I believe my bro- <laughs> yeah, like I said, one of my earliest you know, memories, my earliest one. Wait, you remember it when you were three seeing this <laughs> a little bit, like a little tidbits or hey, what? Dude, when you see something like this, it's not hard to forget about it. <laughs> and like I tell, That's awesome. yeah, like I tell pretty much everyone, I don't have a good memory. I just have a really long one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I remember who said, I'm not sure if I was interested in seeing it. 
because I could have been, you know, just a three-year-old going, ah, mama, I want to see colors. You know, but yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much my mom picked up my brother and I from this place called Kinder Care. It was sort of like a, a daycare center, essentially. He, uh, he yeah. was five and I was three. And just right across the street was a uh, you know, place called Echelon Mall. Uh, mall's still there, but the movie theater it was at, uh, the general cinema is no longer there. Hasn't been for years. But we ended up seeing Flash Gordon. And... My God, it was strange. I could actually follow the story. It was aside from the colors, the action. I thought this was the coolest motherfucking movie I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> and pretty much since then, I have seen it maybe 30 to 40 times. Oh, my God. So this is kind of like your first love movie, like as a kid, that you you the kind of movie where you can watch it a bunch of times and never really get sick of it, and you could watch it without... You could honestly be working around the house or whatever and have it on, and you could just follow the story yeah. with the dialogue. Yeah, it was a years ago when I had an iPod. I was able to actually download the audio to the movie and just listen to it like an audio book <laughs> and remember where everything was. Um, this was pretty much my favorite movie growing up. Uh, it was either this or Dumbo. And then as years went by, other movies came in, but I always went back to this one. <laughs> My God. So I had big ears as a little kid, and they would call me Dumbo, so I was like, fuck you, Dumbo movie. I'm <laughs> yeah, never going to like yeah, it. Yeah, my sister did the same thing, and a bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> ah, family. So, so <laughs> I can't believe I had no idea when you brought this movie up that you had such a history with it, Steve. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Three years old. I, I, I think my maybe – Oh, my God. I'm trying to think, like, what is that early movie for me that I just have seen? Honestly, it's a movie that I bring up a lot, both in my guest spots on the grind bin and on my own show. It's probably Home Alone 2. I I grew up with that movie. I saw it right when it came out, and I remember it, and I've seen it, honestly, a shitload, probably 30-some-odd times, like like with you and Flash Gordon. Mm -hmm. I I would have loved to have seen Flash Gordon as a kid because, you know— I was going to save this for the end, but now knowing that this was a movie you saw as a as a child, mm-hmm. one of my notes was this movie would not have surprised me if at the very end there was like a cut scene or or some kind of you know what do you call it like was uh, after the credits it's like a, a a spoiler yeah like spoiler scene or something like that where. You just see a kid playing with a bunch of toys that are like Flash Gordon mm-hmm. and all these other aliens and stuff. Like it's all these toys from all these different like different toy companies from all these different storylines. But he brought them together, or she, uh, you know, brought them together to play with them. Mm-hmm. And and you realize that this is all in a kid's imagination because this movie feels straight up like me playing with my memory as a kid because I was a very imaginative type of kid that could play by myself for a long time. Uh, I mean, now I play by myself in my own house by myself. Ew. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, now, uh, since you just <laughs> – not referring to playing with yourself, but since you mentioned the whole you know, playing with toys as a kid, you realize that no toys actually came out for this movie. The only thing – That's crazy. Yeah, the only thing of substance that came out was the novelization of the movie. And apparently it goes into Flash's backstory more like – Apparently in the novelization, he did not have a good upbringing. His mom died in childbirth, and his dad was a, a raging alcoholic. And you know, through that, he managed to uh, achieve some level of success as a football player for the New York Jets. Yeah, the New York Jets, Jets oh, man. Jesus. 
they you know the Jets don't have the best history in football. You know they've they've had some great teams, but as of late, not great. They could use a good Flash Gordon, but I like the idea that he was this Jets football player, and he's a straight up celebrity. Like everyone knows who he is. That's here on Earth, <laughs> and. He has a private jet. He wears a shirt that has his own name on it, oh, so yeah, you know that, he's important. That's fucking baller. <laughs> Which is insane because um, I, I think her name is – we did Sleepaway Camp, and I think Judy has her own yeah. name on oh, her shirt. Oh, what a fucking bitch that one was, but still, great movie. <laughs> and that goes to show you, if you have the kind of fucking swag that Judy has and Flash Gordon has, mm-hmm. go ahead and wear a shirt with your first name on it. Why not? Yeah, I mean, honestly, and just thinking about Flash, I mean, really, you could call him a superhero, but technically he wasn't a superhero. He was just a guy in great shape, putting it into an extraordinary situation and tried to do what was right in order to, you know, save Earth, essentially. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, I know this is weird, and I, I feel like, I don't know if you remember this, I feel like maybe you're you're probably a little bit older than me, but I used to love to play. I used to love to watch the Mighty Max cartoon from the night. I was a '90s kid, mm-hmm. so I watched a lot of '90s cartoons. And there was this Mighty Max cartoon, and they also had Mighty Max playsets, which are basically Polly Pockets for boys. Yes, and they they would have all these little dungeon compacts. Basically, you would open them up, and it'd be a whole little scene, and you would have this little fucking tidy ass Mighty Max that you could shove up your ass and lose it forever. Oh, kind of like yeah. Butt Boy. Yeah, and and I, I used to really love playing with them, and I realize now Mighty Max is a lot like a lot like Flash Gordon. Basically, regular dude, just, you know, a cool kid, you know, but Flash Gordon was a cool dude mm-hmm. who had all the assets, like he had the, the, the physique, the strength, but also just someone that could adapt to a situation around them and figure out what to do and just get it done. And that's kind of basically Flash Gordon. He he's someone that doesn't. He's not scared of anything, really. He, he I mean, dude, he sees some of the crazy. That's something that surprises me about this movie. This dude, a regular guy, he knows the football. He knows the gridiron. He knows all that. I don't know where he's from, but I'm sure he's from probably a dope. He doesn't look like he's from an inner city like like he looks like he's from like San Diego or something. No, he, I'm gonna say he's from the Midwest. You know, farm boy. Oh, you think he's kind of a, a corn fed son bitch? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm going with. <laughs> and I could I could totally see that too. And but either way, someone that would probably freak the fuck out. But no, he goes to space and he seems to be a pretty cool cucumber when it comes to. <laughs> He never ever seems shocked or surprised, yes. which is amazing. Or he's not showing it. That's how cool he yeah. is. Yeah, he knows how to hide it and just get shit done, man. But it's cool to find out that this goes all the way back to when you were three years old. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's just, you know, I've had this movie in multiple iterations, multiple VHS copies, DVDs, Blu-rays, uh, you know, on streaming demand. You know, I really oh I really want to pick up that Arrow 4K edition, especially the one with the documentary Life After Flash. Oh, I would not mind buying that at this point now because I will tell you, Steve. Mm-hmm. I knew about Flash Gordon. I knew about the the 
story of the movie. I knew so much about it, but much like a lot of the movies I cover on this podcast, because this is why I started the podcast, because I wanted to watch more movies that I just completely missed, I had never seen Flash Gordon beginning to end Mm -hmm. ever. So this was my first experience. So you saw it at three. I saw it at 36. Yeah, that's fine. It, it all works out. You managed to catch this, much like a, a certain actor by the name of Eric Roberts and Stalked by My Doctor, which I've been <laughs> trying to cram down everybody's throat like a cult. Well, thanks to you, Steve, you crammed it down my throat yeah. and I didn't gag, baby. I oh, just man. took that whole movie in and... Um, Jesus, that movie. If y'all have never seen Eric Roberts stalked by my doctor, check it out as soon as you can because, you know, I want to also have other people that are scarred, not just me. So back to Flash Gordon. We'll start breaking this baby down for y'all. Basically, you open up, you know, it's a compass on Earth, and we hear a couple of guys talking to each other. We don't know who they are at all. And I love the way... uh, What's it? We don't know him who he is yet, but I like the way he says Earth. He says, <laughs> just like that. Uh, and basically, they're like, oh, shit, let's start fucking up Earth. And they have all these light, like light, bright buttons everywhere that have all these natural disasters. Mm-hmm. You know, got hot hell, tornadoes and all this kinds of shit. They can basically control the atmosphere of Earth. Uh, this kind of reminded me of the just the voices because they're just kind of echoey. Reminded me of "It's a Wonderful Life" when Clarence <laughs> just talking in the ether yeah, with an angel. Only more menacing, just very menacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, and uh, it's a crazy dude. Yeah, but it's like uh, mentioning as you just mentioned, like you know, the whole display there. It kind of reminds me of this uh, old game from the '90s called Populous, where essentially you play God, you create civilizations, and then if you want, you can destroy them by using hail, earthquakes, and such. Oh, shit. Populous, you hack. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say Mighty Max, you hack. You totally stole the whole Flash Gordon vibe. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, first tidbit that I have to add to you know, Flash Gordon. Uh, there were a number of directors attached to Flash Gordon before they finally settled on the, the guy who directed it, Mike Hodges. The first person who was asked to direct it was none other than George Lucas. Now... Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Now, Lucas actually declined to direct it, but do you want to know what he went on to direct? Hmm, why don't you let everyone know, Steve? Uh, a little movie about an empire and a farm boy. I think it was called Star... Um, <laughs> Star Crash, that's it. Star Crash. So, there you go, Star Crash. <laughs> Goddamn yeah. movie. Um, yeah, dude, Star Wars, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, uh, Lucas was heavily inspired by... I, the original comic of Flash Gordon back in the 1930s, I believe it was created by Alex Raymond. But pretty much a lot of critics have stated that Flash Gordon was like the first real superhero oh, to come on the scene. Because this was almost 10 years before Superman, before Captain America, before essentially wow. Marvel and DC. The closest thing to it would have been Captain Marvel, otherwise known as Shazam. So that's pretty much how Flash Gordon kind of started off at the very beginning. But uh, after uh, Lucas declined it, uh, another gentleman by the name of Fer- uh, was it Federico Fellini. So essentially Fellini was offered the job to direct the movie. But <laughs> once again, he declined. Yeah. And then afterwards, another gentleman by the name of Nicholas Roeg, who went on to direct uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth, 
also declined it because essentially uh, the producer Dino De Laurentiis, you know, didn't like his ideals for the story. He wanted to go in a different direction and such. So essentially, he settled on um, kind of a, a, an unknown by the name of Mike Hodges. So. There you have it. Wow, man. And it is amazing. I don't I don't know if all the listeners know that, but yeah, he, you know, Flash Gordon was a comic book way before this ever came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of amazing the amount of effort put into trying to make a comic. I mean, uh, let's face it, in 1980 and there was not a whole bunch of movies that uh, comic book adaptations into film that really tried to there just wasn't a lot out there. There wasn't a lot of examples of how to do it right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you watch Flash Gordon for the first time, especially, you know, in present time after we've seen all these fucking movies, you've seen the Marvel machine just fucking churn out movies like the way I churn out turds. And it's amazing to see how far we've come. But I honestly think the reason Flash Gordon is a legit cult classic is they really did – you can really see the effort and a lot of the ingenuity in working with a you know a certain budget in trying to create a comic book on film like they really did do their their best they did the best they could with what they had and i actually think it it the the campiness of it and the fucking kind of silliness of it adds to it a little bit because comic books back then especially early on like i read i've I'm a big Flash guy, and I've read a lot of the old Flash comics. They're fucking silly as shit. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, they kind of have a sense of humor. They kind of understand that their concepts are kind of outlandish, and there's serious portions to it, but there's a lot of, like, little cheesy, silly stuff to it, too. And I think Flash Gordon captures a lot of that. Yeah, and it wasn't a cheap movie to produce, actually. It it cost between 20 and 27 million. So back in 1980, that was quite a hefty fee for something like that. I mean, you can tell in a lot of the set, it's that they put money into it, and pretty much it was all financed by, you know, De Laurentiis. You know, he didn't have any outside backers. So... This movie, you know, he financed. Everything was riding on it. He was going to lose pretty much everything if this was a bomb. I mean, we'll find out at the end, you know, how it ended faring up at the theaters and such. And what exactly happened to Flash after all of this? (laughs) Yeah, because and you can see the money, like especially with the costume designs and the, the set designs, just all of it is so intricate and they put so much effort into all of that working a bunch of different like planetary species and shit into everything i didn't expect that by the way i thought it was going to be a bunch i thought it was going to be flash Gordon, like because i hadn't really seen this movie i thought it was gonna be flash gordon goes into this spaceship and he fights this fu manchu looking son of a bitch Mm -hmm. and and his minions i didn't expect all the other different groups of 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 species or whatever you want to call them uh, like uh, colonies or whatever yeah races you know races Mm -hmm. yeah like you have like you know there's a lot of different people which we'll get to meet as we go through this movie but i just didn't expect it all um and the way it starts off you know just going from you know where we said the compass and stuff we hit the theme song and i do like the fact that they work in some of the comic book scenes and stuff like that for those that don't like me, who had never read any of that, it's really cool to see some of those those comic book uh, cutouts oh, and yeah. everything coming through in the credits. All right, and, you know, I, I got to bring up the music on this. I mean, 
With, queen? Yes, Queen, <laughs> without their soundtrack and without Howard Blake's score. You know, he was the other guy who actually worked on Howard the or- yeah, the orchestral you know, parts of the score. You know, pretty much they did what was called the underscore, era, which was essentially Brian May coming up with like that piano line. I mean, where it starts where it crashes at the beginning and essentially they go into the song Flash. Ash, but it was Howard Blake's responsibility to fill in sort of like, you know, the other parts of the score to the movie. So there was the combination of Queen playing and Blake just orchestrating it and just kind of worked itself in together. And it just made for an awesome soundtrack. Yeah, it holds up. Oh, like it totally holds up. Yeah. And which brings me to another thing. Timothy Dalton and Max von, uh, Max von Sydow, uh, they weren't the only ones with mustaches involved in the making. What about Mr. Freddie Mer- Mercury? That's true. Mr. Freddie Mercury famously sported a hell of a fucking mustache. Damn right. Years. And honestly, my top three favorite rock singers of all time. In fact, just front front person of all time. Jeez, mm-hmm. like, that dude just fucking wailed man oh. and and honestly if you ever like i i still go back and watch youtube videos of him performing live and it is amazing dude yeah, i'm man. like how the hell did he do it yeah but, yes. U- ultimate show man he was hell yeah mm-hmm. so yes yeah we, we're honoring several fucking mustaches in this episode for sure damn right <laughs> And uh, speak, speaking of, of hot mustaches, let's talk a little, a little bit about some hot hell because <laughs> <laughs> something that does not happen here on Earth. There is acid rain, but there's not hot hell, thank God, because we get to see a little bit of that in the beginning of the movie where it, it kind of looks – it's it reminds me of a hot stone massage a little bit except deadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, just fucking hot pieces of rabbit turds coming down and burning the earth and – we finally meet Flash for the first time in the in the beginning of the movie, and he's got these like golden locks of hair. For those of y'all that won't watch this movie, but you really should go watch it. He's got like golden locks of hair. I think at this point he's already wearing a his Flash, right? Is yes, he wearing he, a shirt that says Flash? He's already wearing the Flash shirt. And just to let you know, his hair was actually dyed for this movie. He he had uh, medium brown hair originally, he, but Dino thought it wasn't All-American. So he wanted to have his hair dyed, and he also wanted uh, Sam Jones to wear hard blue contact lenses. So essentially, he blonde hair, blue eye, fellow from the Midwest, you know, All-American and such. <laughs> All the Aryan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then Flash meets uh, up with this woman. They jump on a private jet, and the pilots talk about Flash Gordon because this is how we learn that he's a football player, and they're like, oh, you know, he's, you know, the season's coming up, blah, blah, blah. And we find out the, that the woman is a travel agent. Her name is Dale Arden. I haven't heard a lot of Dale women named Dale. I haven't met a lot of women named Dale. Oh, I like to I like to meet women named Dale if they look like that. Yeah, if they look like that, she's great. She's great looking, and she's she's freaking out about the flying. She's afraid of flying, uh, but the plane because the plane is dealing with a little bit of turbulence, and <laughs> of course 
It's hilarious because you could start here. You could hear Ming the Merciless, which we'll learn about this guy a little bit more. Mm. Um, you hear him in the background laughing a little bit, and then Flash mentions he's getting pilot lessons. But then right when he mentions, he's like, don't worry. I, I'm actually getting pilot lessons. This is completely normal. Then this red fucking, like, smoke oh. and, like, starts billowing in the sky. Mm. And he's like, well, I haven't learned what that is yet. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what the fuck that is. And basically, you know, for the how they did the, you know, colors with the clouds, you know, the ominous looking thing, they essentially used different types of uh, weighted paints and dropped it into the water. And they found out that after a couple of days, the paint would still be swirling in, in the water. So, you know, essentially oh. there were certain sets that they kept uh, like towards the, the very end of the movie. There's a you'll understand it but they dropped a bunch of different colors in it and that's how they got kind of like a swirling mail storm of you know colors out of it that's dope mm-hmm. i love that dude yeah it was a really cool effect and then the hot hell lands on a scientist who's laying in bed <laughs> and we know he's a scientist because he's asleep but in a white coat yep <laughs> that's how it works always, i'm always ready to science at all times so i shall keep my <laughs> lab coat on and there's another doctor with him who will get to know him a lot uh, throughout this movie. And he says something about check the vernaculars or some shit, <laughs> some yeah, shit of the movie. He gets some the, science shit. Uh, the moon is out of orbit by 12 degrees and such. So uh, it, it's, you know, it's it's smart stuff. He knows this. Yeah, sciencey smart stuff happens. Yeah. yeah, they find out the moon is out of orbit. They realize that the Earth is basically is being attacked. And uh, the scientist concludes that the moon is being fucked with by some force from outer space by a laser beam or something. Uh, the scientist holds <laughs> the scientist holds a gun to the. <laughs> Go just, just explain the scene, Steve. All right. Oh, basically, he, um, the gentleman who is holding the, the gun, Doctor Hans Zarkov, has been preparing for this uh, event. You know, basically uh, outer space, you know, aliens coming to invade Earth. So in order to, I guess, kind of stop it or just, you know, send out a message of friendliness, you know, he needs at least one other person to help him pilot the rocket he has created. So essentially he holds his, um, you know, assistant Munson hostage in order to (laughs) help him out with that. But Munson decides to run off like a little bitch. Sorry, bitch ass. <laughs> like a bitch ass. Yes. So at, at that point, essentially Munson runs off, runs out of, uh, you know, the Quonset hut, if you will. Oh, and then all of a sudden he sees a plane just come careening down to hit the place. And essentially he runs back in and then Zarkov says, Munson, you've come back. So essentially, <laughs> Munson doesn't come back because he gets crushed by the plane that just drops down. And we'll find out what happens after this plane comes down right after these. Uh, well, it's not really these messages. It's after this message. <laughs> That's always weird finding it. Uh, the, <laughs> there's a drop for a commercial in there. Do you love unraveling a good old-fashioned whodunit? Oh honey, me too. I'm Alicia, armchair detective and host of Dead On, a true crime podcast. Join me every Friday 
We'll dive into a case that scratches your itch for true crime, dark history, and mystery. Streaming now, everywhere you love to listen. Can you feel the love tonight? Oh, that's just beautiful, man. (laughs) Are you listening to music? No, that's my clock. Oh, that's your clock? What the fuck? Nah, it's a grandfather clock. Oh, shit, you have a grandfather clock? It's a small one. (laughs) I still like them, though. I like collecting those. those, Well, I don't really collect them. I said I like collecting. I would like to collect Mm -hmm. those grandfather clocks, especially, like, the little cuckoo ones and... I don't know. I got a thing for clocks, dude. Like, I have to have a clock in every room. Fetishes. Everybody's got one. (laughs) Or else I can't come. Ew. (laughs) I can't come without the TikTok. Oh, jeez, man. (laughs) God damn it. This (laughs) won't make it to the show, I hope. (laughs) But I will say, I do love the fact that Flash Gordon teaches you, if you're going to be a little bitch about science, you deserve to get smashed by a ship. Hey, you (laughs) know. like that. Hey, world needs stitch diggers, too. That's true. So who comes out of this ship? It's no other than Flash Gordon and Dale Arden. Man. Yes. And uh, Ming, by the way, killed the pilots of the ship, so that's why they crash landed. Oh, yeah. uh, Uh, (laughs) Specifically how he killed the pilots is the fact that uh, there was a giant piece of hail that just rammed right into the plane with his face on it. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Just giant face of of Ming. That's how much of a badass is. He's a giant piece of hail. I feel like this movie would be really dope to watch a slightly mentally altered, you know, a little a little enlightened, a little heightened, I you know, a little something extra. I got to ask Tim about that. Yeah, we got to ask Tim. I, you know, I was I, I was going to ask him to jump on, but I was like, eh, I don't really want a four hour episode. All right, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Keep Steve to myself. Aww. I'm selfish that way. I respect that. So... <laughs> So they crash land. We find out that the scientist that was that was shooting his his friend there, uh, his name is Hans Zarkov, and uh, he sneaks Dell and Flash into the rocket ship, or he sort of tricks them into getting in the rocket ship. Yep, there's a phone in there. There's a, yeah, he's like, uh, because they're they're right away like, hey man, we need to call somebody, we need help. There's <laughs> some shit going down. He's oh yeah, it's in there. He tricks them into the rocket ship, and basically they start. Take there's a fight. Flash gets in a fight with fucking Zarkov, and it's a it's the first time we get to see Flash, uh, Flash do his thing. But you know he does kick the shit out of Zarkov because he is just a scientist. But he uh, not to say scientists can't fight. But let's face it, this is Flash Gordon we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. He runs this dude's head into the wall, but unfortunately it hits a giant fucking red button that's head sized, and that tells the ship to take off. So it takes off. And then Flash somehow hits a hits a red pedal that does something, and then the ship actually makes it into space because science is cool. Yeah, it, this is all science <laughs> fact. <laughs> this might be one of the most campiest parts of the movie, and I fucking love it. Oh. I just loved it. Like I said, dude, it's like me as a kid explaining how a ship would go to space. That's what's so good about it. I'm you like, know, oh, then they would hit a red pedal. <laughs> you know, you know. I I met the scientist, and he told me he has to go up there and he has to stop the bad guys from stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. Earth, it's... And then you have to hit this red pedal. Uh, and then if you don't hit the red pedal, we'll all die. And we're, we're yeah. going to some friendship. Oh, we have to go through the sea of fire. Right? I'm just saying, dude. Uh. It's really fucking weird. It's like me. That's why this. I, I, I mean, I got to tell y'all. Obviously, I really enjoy this movie. It just made me feel. I hadn't. I hadn't seen anything that made me feel like my childhood feeling in so long, dude. That's why I really loved watching it. I can't wait to see it again. So they approach Starfield Sigma 12 and this dude with a fucking Power Man 5000 goggles. (laughs) Oh, that's what that reminded me of. Okay. (laughs) He announces that that there are these people coming in and then Ming says for them to to bring them in safely and, and land them. Um, basically, because if honestly, this movie would be over. They would have just crashed into this and exploded. Mm-hmm. But Ming actually kind of fucked himself over by allowing them to come in close because he wanted to figure out what was going on. Who were these people? So Flash wakes up, Dell and these dudes, and uh, Flash wakes up Dell. Uh, I did read that right. <laughs> <My goodness>. Flash <laughs> wakes up Dell, <laughs> and then these dudes in gold armor come by. And this dude in a red robe beats Flash's ass with a golden glove gun? Yeah, basically, you know, he was it. <laughs> Flash puts out his hand in friendship, and that is misinterpreted as a, 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 a sign of the enemy. So essentially, this guy shoots a golden gun, and a hand comes out. <laughs> I mean, it, that's, that's badass, honestly. You can't make this shit up, dude. <laughs> you can't explain it, but I mean... You know, surprisingly, the gun and the hand still exist. So <laughs> it's so good—a fucking gold. Could you imagine having a gun, y'all, where you press the trigger and a fucking golden hand just comes and just whoops their ass? It's I just, mean, whew. you can't quite explain it, but it's just—it's awesome. When I first saw that, I was like, "Okay, I cannot wait to watch the rest of this movie." Mm-hmm. That 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 golden gun hand just—it just takes you. It puts you in the place of like, okay, I can't wait to see what else to discover throughout this. And the movie doesn't let you down. So, you know, the guards take them to this drone robot thing. And uh, just so that way we're reminded that this drone robot thing should not be threatened, like fucked with. It kills Reptile from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. (laughs) Now, which Mortal Kombat was this from? Was it from 2 or 4? This was definitely Reptile. Two, but without the ninja gear. <laughs> maybe, no, maybe four. Maybe no, four. He was running to go get his gear, but <laughs> <laughs> it just vaporizes us, some bitch. And then the robot takes the the doctor, the doctor's, uh, the, or the not the doctor, but the scientist gun, mm-hmm. which is really cool. He kind of just takes it without actually having to take it. He just vaporizes it out of his pocket, mm-hmm. and we see what is the equivalent of. The Warriors, but Space Gangs. That's basically the oh. way I thought of this when I saw it. I was like, oh, this is like the Warriors, but everyone's like different fucking space people. Yeah, like, where are the Furies when you need them? <laughs> Goddamn baseball Furies. <laughs> then Ming the Merciless. We finally meet him. We've only really kind of seen glimpses of him and heard his voice, but he shows up. And man, Max von Sydow just brings it, dude. There is a reason why he is the actor he is. And honestly, you know, during this whole filming, uh, he he kept on asking various actors, including Brian Blessed, who played Voltan and uh, the leader of the Hawkman. Oh, yeah. He asked, you know, he asked Brian, how do I play this role? I don't know if I'm doing a good job. 
and, and Brian was surprised at that. But you're Max found side out. Uh, you're a living legend. What the hell? <laughs> like just you know. So you know, my mom love her to death. And one of the the things that I love about her is when I was young. I'd always tell her, like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this, Mom. Like, how am I going to – like, whether it was an exam, a game, a competition. And she would always – she used to always just say – and this was before – she doesn't know about Nike. But, but she used to <laughs> always just say, just do it. Like, just go and do it. That's all you got to do. And I think that's that's what Max von Saito did. This son of a bitch, he just did it. And he, he find, found a way to make this character. What I like about it is he's not trying to do too much. That's something that a lot of, especially when you're in like this kind of quote unquote outlandish type, you know, where he's wearing like really like just loud, insane comic book like robes. I, wa- I want his wardrobe though. I, it's amazing. Yes, it's amazing. And like you said, he's not doing much. To like you know stand out. I mean, him being the emperor, he doesn't have to do that. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean the same goes for his uh, essentially his underling, uh, Clytus, who was the other guy speaking when they were threatening. Oh, I Earth. love that guy. Yes, I, mean, I, I think I call him something else. I'll I'll see it in the notes. But yes, that guy, Clytus, yeah. <laughs> Gold Destro. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, was it uh, Peter Weingard? Uh, he was another British actor who came on, on for the production. It's just like, yeah, I mean, the majority of the production it was either British or Italian, with a couple of Americans thrown in. I was like, nice, dude. I was going to ask you that because I noticed a lot of very pretty, like you know, accomplished British actors in this movie. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, well, basically they shot the movie at uh, Shepperton Studios in England, and they actually took up uh, two sound stages, and then for additional footage, they have they had to take up uh, an airport hangar, which was just down the road, which was like six million cubic feet of space that they were able wow. to use as well. Oh, so this was a massive undertaking for the British film industry, but the uh, Italian people on there was because of you know, Dino De Laurentiis, and uh, pretty much the only two Americans you know, on you know, the crew was Sam Jones and Melody Anderson. Everyone else was from different countries. I mean, you know, Topol, who played uh, Dr. Hans Sarkov, he was from Israel, uh, plus he was from Fiddler on the Roof, uh, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn, dude. I mean, they had some talent on this motherfucker, dude. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing, man. So in this scene, this is a sort of offering ceremony. And Ming the Merciless comes out to basically be like, yo, bitches, come and bring me your goods. Like, I want you to show me how much you love me and you love being part of this empire that I'm running. So we see our man of the hour come in, fucking Timothy Dalton, looking Uh, like a goddamn sexy-ass Peter Pan. Yeah, Prince Baron. Yeah, dude, and uh, he's yelling, of course, because that's what Timothy Dalton does, and he's pissed about this other group called the Voltons offering this ice jewel or some shit. Like, I think it's called an ice jewel. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was an ice jewel from the planet Phrygia, uh, because ori- yeah, originally uh, Baron was bringing it it as his tribute to Ming, but Voltan, you know, and his Hawkman actually stole it, you know, from them. And so, essentially, you know, they threatened to, you know, throw down. But if they were going to throw down, then Ming was actually going to kill Baron. And then he was going to actually take uh, Volton's daughter. It was the little girl who had the, you know, wings on. 
Yes. Yeah. So as you can tell, Fulton is boisterous, loud, out, and can be obnoxious, but he has a good heart and he loves his family. Hence, he doesn't want anything to happen to his daughter during this process. Pretty awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely like that. That's what kind of I found interesting. And I guess that's why this is all working for Ming is that he's got a system in place. He's got strict, specific rules. Everyone must follow and they can't have an authorized battle. They can't have a battle during the ceremony unless it's authorized by Ming. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's why it was illegal. For, it was not great for fucking, you know, Dalton to be coming through fucking starting some shit up. So then the robot narcs, <laughs> the robot narcs super hard on Flash Gordon after Flash mentions that Ming is a psycho under his breath. <laughs> oh, uh, wait, before we get to that, we do also have to mention in that a certain female comes into picture. That would be oh, Ming's daughter, right. Aura. Uh, let's just say that she gets around a lot. Is she Italian? Yes, uh, Ornella Muti uh, is oh, the, the name. But, uh, yeah, she's hooking up with Baron. Clytus wants to hook up with her. Or she's hooking up with a bunch of other people, as we'll find oh, out yeah. a little she later. Is, uh, she, she she walks the walk. She has she has a little <laughs> fucking... Uh, fucking she, little... she has a little person as a as her pet. That's how he's listed <laughs> in the like... credits. But the, the guy who plays the pet is actually a guy by the name of Deep Roy, who is actually... Uh, was it... Um, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, he was uh, the Oompa Loompa. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm. I kept saying uh uh. I couldn't think of Oompa Loompa. I was gonna say she's got an Oompa Loompa as a pet, dude. I'm not kidding, Steve. Like, no, oh my god, she, you are absolutely correct about that. And also, he was on that season of Eastbound and Down where uh, Danny McBride was down in Mexico. <laughs> Oh my god, that's the same guy! So he was also in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Oh yeah, uh, he's been acting for decades. I mean, this was one of his earlier roles, but god, you know, he did not stop. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. So, I thought, at first when you said Oompa Loompa, I thought he played an Oompa Loompa back in the Willy Wonka one, but he played the one in the Johnny Depp shitty one. Yeah, he was the he was the <laughs> only Oompa Loompa, and he was essentially cloned for all of the other Oompa Yes! Loompas. I mean... I get what they were trying to do. He did a fine job. It just didn't work it, it for It wasn't me because... that good of a movie. Yes, it was a shit movie. So yes. It, yeah, it didn't quite hold up. But I got to give the guy credit. He's fucking hilarious. Oh, and yeah. I I honestly thought it was a, a little – It was a little. I thought it was a little person that was a girl. I didn't know that it was him. Holy yep. shit. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's crazy. But, yeah, I was going to – I think in my notes I say the movie lets us know that – She's kind of, like, hot, but she's also a shitty person because she's got, like, a little person on a fucking leash, like a fucking crazy person. Yeah, strangely, that doesn't make her shitty in this case. (laughs) I know! The movie kind (laughs) of makes her seem cool, and I'm like, what the fuck? I thought she was going to be, like, way more evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she does have a turning point, and, you know, like, she has – she honestly has an arc. Like, she has an arc throughout this film, which is kind of amazing. It's a painful arc, too, once we get to it. Yes, very painful. Mm. Um, it's a yes, you know, Flash Gordon brings attention to himself because he starts talking shit. And we see that there are all these gorgeous looking space hotties. And then we see the leash thing. But then all of a sudden, fucking Flash Gordon brings his quarterback skills to the test. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding, Steve. Oh, yeah. I did, I did not think they were... And it's because I hadn't read the comic book, and I should read the comic books. But 
I didn't think they were going to use his quarterback skills as a way for him to battle aliens. Okay, yeah, just to let you know, this this whole sequence, it was actually improvised by Jones in the movie. No this shit! Yeah, this did not happen in the comic book. Okay, so honestly, good. between the music you know, from Queen and him just, you know, using his skills because Sam Jones was originally, you know, a, was originally a football player. Uh, he was trying out for the Seahawks, you know, a few years before the movie. Movie and he made their semi-pro team. Um, I forget what they were called, but yeah, that's what he was doing right after oh, he got out of okay. uh, service. He was a Marine as well, so. Wow, that's fucking crazy, dude. Dude, fucking, like, he starts whooping everyone's ass, and Mean gets mad at fucking, I, I was calling him Metal metal Reaper, because he looks like a fucking, the, the Grim Reaper, but fucking uh, metal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so metal, metal Reaper is like, you know, I don't know. They're doing some kind of ancient <laughs> sport. Uh, and then it was a Ming ass. Are you men on all the right pills? Maybe you should execute their trainer. <laughs> yeah. It's like insane, dude. Mm-hmm. It's a really good battle. But this is kind of when we see little. And this is what I honestly like about this movie. It gives it does let you in on what's going on. And we do see little glimpses that some of the other people are not happy with Ming's empire and they're kind of helping Flash Gordon. They're like tripping up some of uh, Ming's men or like whatever they are. They're basically just servants that are like brainwashed and shit as we learn. And they're like trying to fight Flash Gordon and they're kind of helping them. Specifically, we see Voltan do it and our Volt is it Voltan or something like that. Yeah, uh, close enough. Yeah, Volt. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. more, the, the fucking hot yeah, guy. Fine. Call him Volt. <laughs> yeah, call him Voltron. <laughs> Voltron, we see Voltron help them out. Oh God, such a good cartoon. Anyway, oh, I know, I know. It's a, that's another episode. If we can find a mustache in it, and it's just, it's just insane, dude. I just absolutely love that whole thing. And then, at some point, I think uh, Ming announces to the soldiers. Uh, I, after all this, they, I think what happens is, I think Flash Gordon gets knocked the fuck out, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, Zarkov accidentally uh, chucks the metal you know, football into his head, and damn, that's a nice thud. <laughs> or at least it's really good ADR. And uh, Ming announces to the soldiers to to to, to take uh, Dale out, and he's like, you know, take her. She's gonna be for pleasure, and and he basically he wins, and. But then Princess Aura, at some point, she tries to fight for Flash. She's like, hey, don't kill him. I, I want to keep him for myself. And there's like a little bit of an exchange there. Mm-hmm. And Ming isn't having it. He's like, no, I get it. You know, you you want some extra. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, wants some, she wants some extra hands, if you will. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's not gonna. He refuses. He sends. He sends the doc to the secret police, and he sends Flash Gordon to be executed at twelve fifteen Mingo Mean Time. Yeah, I don't know what actual time that is, but it, it seems important. <laughs> I like whoever decided to write that in the script. Mingo Mean Time. Oh God! So then the princess tells Dalton to leave because let's face it, you know she wants him out of his hair. Uh, and he's like a little suspicious about it. He's like, "No, fuck this! You're trying to fucking <laughs> you've done this to me." The the actual words that he used was "lying bitch." That's right, and we might hear that again very soon. So then, <laughs> so then Flash Garden has this fucking 
fucking silly metal block on his head. He looks like a thromp from Mario. Oh, it's so <laughs> oh, good. Oh, why didn't they draw eyes on it then? You know, <laughs> angry eyes. Yeah, every time you get close to him, the, the eyes get a little angry. Like, stay away from this prison. Uh, he keeps hitting me in the head. <laughs> and Metal Reaper lets him see uh, lets him see Dell for some reason. I, I was honestly surprised they even gave him this, but I guess they they were so confident because it seems like these. Uh, alien beings don't have the kind of emotions that we have, so you can kind of trick them a, a little bit. Yeah, they're not used to it, and plus, it was a good way to further the story because, in a sense, you didn't. <laughs> it, it's in a sense that you didn't feel Dale and Flash had enough time with each other, and this is just kind of you know heightened the emotion to it more, especially when she's trying to turn over that uh, hourglass and saying it won't turn over, it won't turn over. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is supposed to make us really believe they're falling in love, but you know what? It's a fucking it's. I still have a comic book. That's what the thing is. It's like, I'm here to have fun, baby. Like, I, oh. I, in comic books, you fall in love quick. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind it. I think it was very – but you're right. The, the movie decided to do this, to have this cheesy conversation. He says something about – they're kind of like, oh, maybe we're just in a dream, baby. And, <laughs> and, and you know, this isn't real. And I'm just, I'm just com- comatose. But, no, this is real shit, man. So, yes, she tries to tr- try to flip over that timer that the Metal Reaper tried to set up. Doesn't work out. And the execution continues, and uh, the Metal Reaper and some dudes in robes start playing some drums. And they f- they have Flash and some sexy-ass leather undies because— Yeah, that had the chafe like crazy. Oof, man. And, I, you know, I do like this movie because— one of the reasons I like this movie is because, dude, it's equally hot, you know, with, with – they have, like, a lot of, like, hot spacey chicks, but a lot of – plenty of hot dudes, too, if you want to show out some hot dudes as well. I mean, I mean, Flash Gordon alone kind of carries the weight of this. I mean, it's not my cup of tea, but I understand. Yeah, dude. I, I like a good balance. I want to I want see – you know, I just want a good balance is all. So, <laughs> so. – <laughs> I was like, oh, I have in my notes, they were like, let's make this guy look even hotter before we kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so the princess notes the, uh, <laughs> she says something about, what's that salty discharge coming from that woman over there? <laughs> it's tears. <laughs> it's a human emotion. Yes. Yeah. Ming is like, oh, God, it's the way, it's a sign of the human's weakness, their tears. <laughs> So they sit Flash down. They shoot him up with some dope. It's like a huge-ass fucking syringe. And then they mm. gas him in this, like, chamber. Uh, by the way, this was before the fucking injection. Uh, <laughs> this was before it. Like, <laughs> hey, is... come on. It was all legal. I mean, according to <laughs> Ming's law. It's insane. And then, uh, then uh, we see... Uh, we see them make a dope-ass engraved tombstone for a guy who was some prisoner that came through and they executed. So that's kind of awesome that they put the amount of effort into making a really yeah. nice tombstone. Not for nothing. I want that coffin over the Kiss coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Same here. Uh, unlike some, uh, you know, y'all know Grind- the Grindman podcast of Friends of the Show. They, mm. they covered a Kiss movie recently. And I oh, just, God. I'm sorry. I just do not like Kiss at all. 
Uh, I just I don't. I just don't. I try. No, no, no. I I can't knock you for that. But it's just the movie they covered was Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And my God, if you have not seen that movie, woo! Don't <laughs> see it. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't. Yeah, take take Steve's information as solid gold. Do not take it. Talk to Tim Yovo and ask him his thoughts on on a uh, kiss. Oh my God! No, don't ever talk to Tim Yovo. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do Come it. Come on. He's our Lord and Savior. We have to follow his rules. That's true. Yeah, follow him on Twitter at least. See what he's got to say. So the princess comes in, Princess Aura, and she and she has this – the doctor that initially was the one in charge of the execution. She has him shoot shoot up a, a, a Flash Gordon with some kind of magic antidote that brings people back, from, back to life from death. And the princess – Gets Flash Gordon out and says, I like you a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit, you brought me back to life. Like, fuck, what the hell happened? And the princess wants to take Flash to Abroria or something? Uh, yeah, Ab- Abroria. That's Abroria. Uh, Prince Baron's uh, home world. But it, it's just that he gets this um, red satin and black satin outfit rocking with a um, oversi- uh, overlong scarf uh, to oh, you right. know, kind of pass off as a, a guard of Ming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's taking him through. Oh, man, this beer is good. I forget how good this beer is. Drinking a Dallas Blonde right Woo! now. Man, this is good shit. Um First sip of it. I, I was drinking a different beer before, but man, um, um, it was good enough that it distracted me from what I was about to say. So yeah, she takes him through <laughs> to Aboria, and, and they're trying to hide out. We find out that Mean goes along every thousand years and decides to fuck with a planet with natural disasters. Then he leaves it alone if his kingdom is never threatened or if he doesn't feel a threat from it. So... What's kind of cool about this scene, um, and w- by the way, this is a scene where he's talking to to the doc, uh, to the to the fucking to the scientist Zarkov, and and the, what's kind of cool about it is he's like, so Zarkov, if you had never found about me and what I was doing with my ship up here, you would have never been the death sentence to humanity. But because you did find out about me, now all your people are gonna die. Yeah, that, that's always a good feeling. I was like, that's fucking deep. <laughs> like, holy shit, because because you decided to be a smarty pants and figure out what I was up to, everybody's going to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you think you're so special. Oh, you think you're so smart. Oh, look what you did. You doomed your race, fuck not. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like, holy shit. Like, that's some deep shit. So then uh, we see a movie through the eyes of Zarkov with some other images in between. And we get a little explanation later. But, yeah, it's kind of crazy, dude. Yeah, basically uh, at this point he is there for reconditioning into you know Ming's secret police, and it's being performed by Clytus, uh, you know, was it Metal Reaper slash yeah, Gold <laughs> Destro, Reaper. Uh, yeah. and his second-in-command, General Kala, uh, who is played by Mariangela Mulatto. Lover. Uh, me- yeah, uh, also another good villain in the movie. He, so pretty much, you know, Clytus says not to go above level six, and, you know, she says, all right. And then pretty much after that whole, you know, uh, I guess uh, video um, uh, replay slash uh, slideshow, oh, essentially she decides to go further 
partner and go to level six. Ooh. Yeah, dude. She is not fucking around. No, what, tell me, what What do you think this was, like, why? Do you think she was just wanting to test to see what could happen? Uh, I think it was more just, uh, I guess, a cruelty-based yeah, element. Okay. Because... Like, you, she thought it would just destroy him. Yeah, essentially, you know, also she seems like a, a go-getter. She wants to, you know, you know, make it high up in uh, the hierarchy, essentially taking over from Clytus if he ever gets promoted or killed. She's badass. Like, I honestly think she could have been Clytus and would have been just as dope. I mean, just the outfits that they're wearing in this. It's, it's just so damn good. awesome. Like, all of the – all of Ming's people – Everyone just looks so fucking cool. Like everyone on hit, like even his guards, like when the red robe shit with the masks and they kind of have, it's honestly, dude, they, it, there is a lot. Like they kind of remind me of the sand people, but with red and like the sounds. They oh made. yeah. Tus- yeah. The Tuscan Tus- Raiders. Tuscans. Yeah. Yeah. But I gotta say, they're a bunch of bitches. I mean, honestly, they, they, <laughs> they get taken out by one shot. You shoot them and then just smoke comes from their faces and it sounds like a pig squealing. Once again, reminds me of when I would be playing with toys as a child. <laughs> like the bad guys would get would get died by one hit. So uh, we get with Flash and we get with the princess and they're flying in a painting. <laughs> 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 and they, you know, he learns how to fly the ship because you know the you know Flash Gordon got like two weeks of. <laughs> flying that's, lessons that's how it works especially <laughs> since it doesn't fly like a regular plane it's like will smith flying the spaceship in that's, independence day that's right and god willing if only will smith actually crashed it <laughs> <laughs> and we get a common uh we get some of the common rhetoric throughout this movie here where flash asks why do the people don't just unite and team up against ming and um and destroy him and, and eventually cause, you know, create a, an environment or a society that's more peaceful to everyone else. Because there is a moment like back in the ceremony where we find out that he like completely destroyed a planet of this one race. And they, they come in and they try to pretend like they're going to offer him something in the ceremony. And then it turns out that the prince is actually a turncoat and he tries to assassinate Ming and they, they kill him and so it's like he's obviously taking advantage of a lot of these different races and just fucking destroying them so nobody's happy yeah and also the fact that they don't know what the concept of teaming up is yeah that's right they're like wait what what are yeah, you talking about it's a simple explanation that works really well for this <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, yeah, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought we were just in charge, and that's just the way things go. So then Dell gets some absinthe or something and gets fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's some strong shit. Because <laughs> Dell's captured, and she's basically set up to be kind of like Princess Leia with Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now she's supposed to be like the the. Bride, the future bride of Ming, and you know he's gonna want to taste test before he decides he wants to be with her. So he has other women and his crew, and they're like, "Hey, if you drink this green stuff, you you know you, you still <laughs> feel things, but you don't care. It'll be more pleasurable." Yes. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Here's a 
Here's the Cosby, Cosby mix. Just, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So then uh, Flash wants to know how to use telepathy because these these uh he, in this in this ship that he's in, he finds out you can actually use telepathy to base, basically radio in different people. You don't need an actual radio. They don't need to be, be on the other end of it. You can just use telepathy to reach out to them. He threatens uh, the princess um, or he, like he's like, I'll crash the plane if you don't teach me how to do this because I want to get in touch with Dell and I want to figure out, you know, I want to let her know that I'm still alive because in Dell's mind, she's like, fuck it. I'm just going to get wasted and bone this guy with the full Manchu mustache because I have nothing to live for. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was just kink shaming her. But, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and. He he finally is able to get in, and he starts talking to her and this and that. And he tells her, Dale, just fucking just keep me busy. Pretend like you like him. Yeah, that's what girls know how to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Use your secret uh, hot lady powers, and uh, yeah, and, and just let me be her hero. But it's so funny because at some point, uh, the princess get like basically like gets on his lap and she mm-hmm. straddles him and in his own mind because they can hear each other's thoughts he's like this girl's really turning me on <laughs> i'm sorry what was that i forget <laughs> i thought that he's like oh uh, nothing nothing <laughs> so dell runs into one of the servants uh one of the other female servants and she never gets allowed to drink this green stuff and she kind of tricks her into drinking it. She's like, it's really good. You should give it a try, blah, blah, blah. And then we catch up with Zarkov, who's now been fully brainwashed, according to the film at the time. And mm-hmm. he's like, I shall serve Ming. And and uh, I have a note here that's like, why do all the planets in this universe kind of remind me of Mario Galaxy? Like <laughs> Super Mario Galaxy. Like every planet's like a little kind of islandy thing. That's it's- where they took the inspiration from. <laughs> I wish that was true, but no. <laughs> it's interesting. Like, it's like levels to a game because it's it, you can just sort of go planet to planet, and you're you kind of feel like you're in the same system, the same yeah, system, same. and they just kind of go boom, 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 boom. It doesn't take very long to get to each one. They're like, oh, look, there's there's this the cold planet, there's this forest, the arbor planets, you know, there's the other planet. So it's kind of interesting how they decided to capture this and kind of, this hadn't been done. Like you said, you know, this was early on and I actually kind of like it because it's fuck it. This is a fucking comic book. Why do we need to like worry about going to hyperspace? Let's just fucking fly there in five minutes. (laughs) 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 So that's something that I noticed and then Ming arrives in the bed chambers and he starts filling up who who he thinks is Dale, but nope, it's just a uh, that servant uh, that is drunk as fuck. And, yeah, he got chipped. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> and he's like, I've already I've fucked this bitch a thousand times. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want her. <laughs> She's old news, man, yeah. and that pussy is too. I want to bone that travel agent. <laughs> so that uh, Dell, so Dell did a switcheroo. And so she's now in that lady's clothes, and it's so funny because, Steve, I was thinking, oh, she's going to just sort of walk through this place undercover, but that's not really what happens. <laughs> she nope. just starts fighting people. And apparently, you know, she doesn't really get any opposition while, you know, going through it. <laughs> this travel agent 
that's never been in a fight ever, probably, all of a sudden can beat the fucking Emperor's soldiers? Like, nothing? I was well, so blown like away. Like I said earlier, I mean, his soldiers are pretty fucking weak. They are bad, dude. Yeah, and I mean, just... Could you shut up while you're dying? <laughs> it's so funny, man. She fucks him up. We go with the Power Man 5000 guys, and they're basically the monitors of the system, of the entire... of Ming's empire. They can see everything. They're the camera system. And they see Dale, and they send Zarkov to go get her. They all find out that Flash is alive from her, and that someone has revived him, but they don't know who it is at this point. So then Metal mm-hmm. Reaper has his suspicions, obviously, and um, because he knows he he's in love with, as we find out, that he's in love with Princess Aura, and like he wants a piece of that. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I thought I didn't even think he had a piece, I, th- I thought this guy was a robot. <laughs> well, he's got something. That's yeah, yeah sure. I guess he does, and he I guess he has enough to have emotions. I Ming tells him to just stop at nothing, do whatever you got to do, boy. Well, that's not good. No, not good at all. So, by the way, Metal Reaper, maybe one of the best characters in the whole movie. Like, mm. just dope oh, as shit. Absolutely. So, and his voice is cool. It's just so good. He kind of sounds like, um, ah, damn it. What's the guy's name from fucking, uh, uh, uh it's a little like Alan Rickman, but not as yes. like a uh, deep or guttural. Yeah. It reminded me of a mix of Alan Rickman and the, and the guy from Die Hard 3. Uh, and he, oh, was, Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Iron. Iron. Yeah. He sounds a little like Jeremy Irons too. He has that kind of like, uh, grandiose, cocky fucking personality about him like he's not scared of shit yeah uh, speaking of which another tidbit about Clytus there or he actually had to learn how to do ventriloquism for it because he could barely speak through the mask itself so the only way they could actually get his lines out without ADRing it is for him to actually throw his voice technically what the fuck yeah that pretty much when you see uh was it uh, the up close shots of uh you know, him uh, talking in the mask, uh, essentially. Like, he could barely breathe, you know, during the first several masks that they built, but the later ones where, you know, he could kind of slightly open his mouth out, out, you know, he still had to, you know, essentially throw his voice. And also, it took him at least an hour to get into that outfit in, in, for the movie. So it wasn't just something you could pop it off and that's it. You know, he really had to work it. Dude, if they could only have taught Tom Hardy that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Because that, that was bad. Would it have made it better? I don't know about that. I don't know. Yeah, that's it's true. It's one of the weakest ones of the trilogy. But uh, we get to uh, what I thought was Planet Indoor, but <laughs> Planet, apparently it's Planet <laughs> no, Arbor. There are no Wookies there, man. There's no Wookies. There's no little cute bears. And <laughs> okay, here's a hot take. Fuck the Ewoks. I love Ewoks, dude. I love uh, little cute bears. I'm just. I, I guess I've been so jaded by the overall saga of Star Wars up until, you know, the rise of Skywalker. I've just lost kind of most of my hope for it with a few exceptions like Boba Fett and, you know, the Mandalorian. Other than that, meh. Yeah, I know. Same here, dude. Same here. So, uh, yeah, we, we end up on this planet with Flash and, and the princess where a bunch of dudes are climaxing while slamming sticks to the ground around a tree stump. And they're like, oh, fuck! And they're like hitting this fucking tree. And I was well, confused as shit at first. Hey, it's a rite of passage, it you know, is. slamming sticks while jerking off. It's like a bar mitzvah. 
Oh, man. <laughs> not one I've been to. <laughs> okay, I guess it's not like a bar mitzvah, but it is a rite of passage. It's like where a man, mm-hmm. it's like where a boy becomes a man. We see this this young teen who, even though he looks 35, he's supposed to be playing a teen. And he's dressed. Oh, no, he, he was like 17 in uh, the movie, but you're correct. He looked a hell of a he lot older. He looks old as shit. Uh, but oh, yeah. yeah, he's 17. He's super dressed like Peter Pan because that's the way everyone dresses in this in this world. Mm-hmm. They got to blend in. It's camouflage. Yeah, they're one with the trees in the wilderness, you know, and I guess it's kind of like Robin Hood. They kind of look like Robin Hood more than Peter Pan. And uh, they he has a stick in his hand um, and he has to, like, basically put his hand inside this tree trunk where there's this creature inside, kind of like a slug stinging type creature. Yeah, it's like a tree scorpion, something like that. And if you get hit, you die. Yeah, it's either you fucking die or you live and you're, you've been selected to be someone that can be part of this colony and you're a man now. Congratulations. And the pain is so intense that you would rather get shot in the face than fucking deal with the pain or some shit. Like if you get or, stung. Or head chopped off by Baron. Or yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, and another side note about yeah, this. Dude. Um now during that scene there is a bald gentleman, I guess either playing you know, a, a flute type thing. Yeah. Um yeah, his name is Fico, but he's played by an actor by the name of Richard O'Brien. Richard O'Brien was one of the creators of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and he played Riff Raff in the movie. No shit. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, dude. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. Rocky Horror, Flash Gordon, it all fits. Yeah, dude. I mean, fuck, man. It does give you that fucking fantasy vibe for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like awesome. I said, I've se- I've seen this movie a lot of times. I know a lot about this movie and what goes on around it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think listeners will enjoy it, dude, because they know I'm not going to bring anything to it. So it's you might as well have somebody that's going to talk You're about it. You're bringing your mirth and merriment to this. <laughs> don't say you don't bring anything. <laughs> so this fucking dude gets stung. <laughs> Dalton just stabs his ass, chops off his fucking head. Oh, it's so good. And uh, the princess comes by, and Dalton goes from st- – he had, like, Dalton has his, like, stoic – I think his name's Baron, right? He yeah, has, Prince Baron. Yeah, Prince Baron. And he's got this stoic fucking, like, leader look, but then as soon as he sees Princess Aurora, she, he's, like, fucking happy child. He's like, oh, my God, you're here. You're so hot. Oh, come on. It's the possibility of getting some from her. Plus, you know, they're going to prepare a feast in her honor, and then they're going to go do it. Hell, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then he sees Flash, and his fucking dick goes from hard to fucking Ken doll. It's yep. just nothing's there. He's <laughs> immediately jealous. Dalton says that she's playing with fire, but, you know, she says she won't be with him if he doesn't harbor Flash as a fugitive. Ah, so it's funny because Flash at some point says, has she ever been trusted twice? Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows he's with a sneaky ass lady. He's like, oh, fuck, man. Am I screwed? Mm-hmm. So then we find out that uh, uh, Zarkov. I might be saying that name wrong. I think it's Zarkov. Was actually yes. Uh, he was actually able to not get brainwashed thanks to the human spirit. Well, what it was is as much as like he was losing his memories and such, he started you know naming off different things. 
things, you know, in his mind or like bringing them up mentally, he's such as Shakespeare, the Beatles, anything he could think of yeah. in order to keep some level of sanity or remembrance of his uh, former life. And somehow it armored him. And then he said something about you can't defeat the human spirit, <laughs> which is followed up by Hawkman coming <laughs> coming to arrest them. Yeah, swooping in to fucking grab him. Then uh, we see the Flash is going to be lowered into some swamp. And tell me, Steve, did uh, did I miss a scene? Because all of a sudden we go from the Flash being lowered into swamp to now an interrogation scene with the princess. I It was right. weird. It was like something was cut or something. No, it wasn't cut. They just kind of jumped back from you know him being lowered in the swamp. Basically, what happens is Baron says, "As you know, we can you know we can keep him here, but it doesn't mean we have to protect him from being killed." So Baron decides to set up a you know a trap for Flash in order to kill him. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, afterwards, it just you know it kind of jumps back over to you know Princess getting caught and getting her ass whipped you know by. I, uh, General Kala. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty hardcore scene. Um, oh yeah. You know, it's it's really funny though because uh, you also have some the hand like the way she's kept being kept down on this table is his metal hands holding her down, but they're like it's like are they like thing from Adam's family but knights? It's weird. I was like, what yeah, the no, fuck? those are things that don't move. So it's like the you know they got the gun and they shot it at her you know hands and ankles so that they would just you know hold her down oh that's right the gun <laughs> the gun the, the handgun dude and uh which is taken too literally in this movie the handgun mm. and then they mentioned boar worms and and prince <laughs> yeah. the princess is not happy about that yeah apparently something about the boar worms actually you know being worms that you know worms that will actually bore into your you know skull and into your mind essentially you know causing you to go insane Jesus. So that's that's pretty bad. Not but good. then all of yeah. But then all of a sudden, you know, she mentions that oh, she's a princess. You can't do this to her. To which Ming shows up, and he okay's it. Yeah, he's like, I'm disappointed in you, daughter, for being so horny. Um, mm-hmm. You deserve it. So then Dalton is being all emo uh, back in his home planet, and he mentions wanting to kill Flash, which. I thought he had already started doing because I saw him drip, dip, being dipped into some swamp. So I was like, but it turns out that's just like a holding prison. Uh, I had no idea that's what that was. I was like, oh, they're just going to drown him in a cage? I thought he was going to hold him a little bit. but um. No, that, it, that's essentially a part of the plan. So essentially, you know, they bring down another prisoner and basically Flash is trying to keep them all safe, you know, trying to keep them, you know, able to survive. So, you know, essentially the new prisoner comes down. He has the key to unlock the cage. So essentially, you know, the new prisoner and Flash go up and they enter into the sacred area where that tree stump is. And essentially any outsiders entering that section, it's um, essentially um, they would be executed unless they do the whole, you know, passage of uh, manhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the, the prisoner that they throw that helps him get out, he kinda looks like the singer from REM. And <laughs> just to let y'all know. Oh, Michael's uh, Michael Snipe. Michael Snipe, <laughs> yeah. So that we find out that Ming's plan is to banish Aura to Phrygia, which is basically Hoth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
you know, you, 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 know, you cool her, you know, you cool her feet for a year in Phrygia, you know, that will cool her spirit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and yeah. Who knows? Maybe I can marry her off to someone as despicable as someone I know. And Kalytus gets excited. Oh, yeah, dude. Fucking Metal Reaper gets a fucking metal fucking boner, dude. Yeah. Then... <laughs> you hear that? You hear that gong? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah, dude. So then the Doc and Dale were they're picked up by the Hawk guys and uh the they kind of basically they remind me of Hawkman from the Justice League, but it turns out they're actually called Hawkmen, which is yeah. insane. But we don't see any women in their group. So I'm like, uh, like do they have Hawk ladies? I guess that are uh, they... you know, I'm sh- I'm sure they do, but essentially they rule from, you know, the place that they just got to, Sky City. So I'm guessing they don't have their home anymore, or it's in a different spot. Yeah. Uh, but you know, um, yeah, pretty much you know was a you know with uh, the Hawkman. Essentially, none of the people who were you know wearing the you know the wings could actually take them off you know during breaks in the shoot because it just takes way too long for them to go on and off. And they actually had to build a special perch for Volton in order to sit down. And you know the cast members. And crew kept on, you know, mocking him. Oh, Polly want to crack out? Polly want to crack out? <laughs> him kept yelling, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Dude, it does look like arduous to be having all that shit on you. But they mm-hmm. look great. Like, they look oh, absolutely. awesome, dude. That's where the money goes. Yeah, dude. They're kind of like Vikings, just fucking with crazy-ass wings. Mm-hmm. And uh, Volton wants to turn Dell and uh, the Doc... And they it basically wants to turn them in to keep Ming's suspicions off of their planned revolt because they're like uh, they're trying to convince them like, dude, you obviously don't like Ming. Like you should join us and work with us to fucking, you know, fight Ming and take over. And Volta's like, no, no, no. We have our own thing we want to do. We don't really want you a part of it. So we want to take you over there to show that we're loyal. So he doesn't expect anything. Yeah. So it, it actually makes a lot of sense at the time. I was like, OK, I get it. So then Flash and Dalton play Russian roulette with a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they play the tree game to see who gets stung first. And after two tries, Dalton's like, you know what? How about you just do it, Flash? I, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> it's really awesome. And then Flash fakes getting stung by the mm-hmm. weird creature inside this tree trunk. And it, it's kind of funny. It's very meta because it's like he's an actor and he's acting very well that he got stung. And he gets Dalton's uh, sword because he's mm-hmm. like, kill me. Like, I'm fucking in pain and shit. And he's able to basically fucking punch. I think he tackles Dalton down. Yeah. And then he climbs down some vines. He leaves. He Oh, he steals Dalton's sword. But then he leaves Dalton's sword, which I was, it, like, it, what? I was like, what? It's a sign. He doesn't want to kill Dalton. Uh, he doesn't want to kill Bear, and he doesn't want to kill anyone. He just kind of wants to make them see, you know, it would be best if they teamed up. But, of course, there's everyone against them, so now he's got to, you know, escape, especially into the swamp, which was nasty as all hell. They did a good job of that set. Like, I, I like the look of it with the vines and the trees, and uh, Flash gets into some fucking, like, he takes a little bit of a mud bath. Mm-hmm. He manages to get out by pulling on a giant-ass vine, then all of a sudden, some giant—I call it a bladder spider. <laughs> you know what? That—that's the best description for it. It's like a big spider with a giant bladder gut thing, and it starts taking him in. 
But Dalton shoots it, or Prince Baron shoots it, and instead of killing him, or letting it kill him, and this is mm-hmm. when I realized that, uh, basically, these fucking dudes, these these hawk dudes, they're just, <laughs> they're just here to bait. I was like, all right, you know, I'm starting to like these guys more. Like, right, it was around this time where I was like, I'm kind of liking these guys. They shoot, they shoot fucking Prince Baron's crossbow out of his mm-hmm. hand, and then. There's a scene where Metal Reaper gives a quick update of what's going on in the movie to Ming, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we we go back with Prince Baron. He's brought on the Hawkman ship. And he wants to fight the Flash he wants to fight Flash Gordon in order to not be executed by the Hawkman, right? Am I am I following mm-hmm. correctly? <laughs> yeah, you're following correctly. <laughs> they fight on this little tiny platform surrounded by some foggy pit that we don't know where it goes but it looks like it's not anywhere good you're gonna find and then die. of course it's got spikes coming up you know periodically <laughs> it's so awesome yeah mm-hmm. the spikes are coming up it's fucking mortal combat baby it's so dope oh yeah and it's like a little bit like mortal combat a little bit about the first koopa that you fight in super mario world <laughs> because it tips over left and right and eventually fucking flash gordon gets the gets the you know the advantage. The upper hand. Yeah, he gets the upper yeah, the hand, upper hand. Mm-hmm. on on the Baron, and he ends up saving him. He ends up not letting him die, and right away he's like, "You know what, bro? You're pretty cool." Yeah. <laughs> they shake hands. Yeah, you know sometimes it takes something like that to get a person on you know their side. See? Yeah, dude. Sometimes you gotta almost kill somebody for them to like you. Mm-hmm. So then Metal Reaper comes on board and he threatens everyone. But, uh, you know, he, he says Prince Baron and Flash, uh, basically, he's like, he comes up to them and, and they both work together to throw him on the spikes. Mm-hmm. And honestly, great death scene. Pretty cool. Pretty honestly, cool. didn't expect it. I thought, I don't know why. I guess it's because. Metal Reaper was so dope. I was like, I wonder if he's going to... I didn't expect him to die, basically. I was like, what the, All fuck? Right. What the fuck? Okay, another note about the... It's, oh, basically, uh, you know, Clyde, the guy who played Clytus. Yeah. yeah, he was putting up an objection during this whole process of shooting. And he said, you know, well, no, I don't want to die. <laughs> All right, so he kept on arguing with uh, the director. And then finally, after like... Five or six times of arguing, I don't want to die. You know, there could be sequels set up where I could return. Uh, pretty much, um, you know, Volton goes, "Will you shut the fuck up and just die? You're supposed to die. That's how it's supposed to go. You're supposed to die. You're supposed to fucking die." <laughs> so, end result was he ended up, you know, falling on the spikes. So even he understood how dope his character was because I, I was oh, yeah. kind of shocked too. Um, I just didn't expect it to happen, but then Ming picks up the duck. Dalton and Dell and goes to speak with uh, with Flash. And this is kind of an interesting scene. Tell us a little bit of what happens here, see, because he basically has to sort of like trying to bring him into the dark side. <laughs> yeah, that's the great way to put it, actually. So basically, you know, was it Zarkov, Baron and Dale uh, go up to, you know, Ming's personal ship to go back to. You know, the city in order to be executed and for Dale to be married. And essentially, Ming is trying to get, you know, Flash to join him because he says he's never, you know, met an opponent quite like him, you know, putting up such a challenge. And then he says, how about I offer you Earth? 
you know, you can be the ruler there in my name. And basically Flash asks, well, you know, is it going to be, is it going to be back to normal? Um, and then Ming goes, in some sense, you know, are they going to be, are people going to be okay? Um, not exactly. <laughs> They'll be more subservient. <laughs> so essentially it's like, he'll be the ruler of troll people, you know, really. And Flash says, nope, not going to do it. So essentially he, you know, Ming leaves Flash there to, you know, be killed, you know, as they're blasting away at Sky City because all of the Hawkmen already took off and such, and there was no one else other than Flash there. Yeah. So. I like how he gets away, too, because he's like, uh, he yeah. finds like a laundry chute. <laughs> <laughs> laundry chute, and he fl- and he finds the Sky Cycle, as they call it. Yeah. And so yeah. essentially, an oversized jet ski that flies, which is really cool. Dude, it's so fucking funny, dude. I was like, holy shit, like, damn, I love this movie. He fucking jumps on a jet ski spaceship, or the fly cycle. So then Hawkman sends a uh, a homing beam. And, well, uh, no, does yeah, he send a home? I forget what happens. <laughs> all right, how that happens is, uh, you know, all the Hawkmen, you know, go off to Arborea. So I guess they're there with, you know, Prince Baronsman. And essentially, you know, was it one of uh, the Hawkmen is saying, you know, you could have joined him. Shut up. Oh, yeah, dude. He's like kind of regretting mm-hmm. <laughs> because, yeah, Voltan was being super stubborn. Mm-hmm. about uniting the kingdom so they could fight against Ming. And he finally realized, like, no, this guy's the real deal. Like, after he saw that they killed fucking Metal Reaper and, you know, like, he saved, you know, Baron and everything. So he's finally starting to believe in what Flash Gordon has, you know, basically that this guy could be a catalyst of bringing peace to the entire empire or whatever. Yeah. Once again, gosh, this feels like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> It's insane, man. But um, we get like a uh, – he comes through and he's working his way toward them because he needs somewhere to go. He doesn't know where the hell they are. So, yeah, he works his way to, to Prince Baron's land. And mm-hmm. then we get a solid royal pillow fight in the next scene. Yeah, basically <laughs> basically, Dell gets thrown back into the <laughs> chamber. And uh, this time uh, was it um, Aura is there you now after the whole process of her getting tortured. Originally, Dale wants to kill her, but and then all of a sudden she notices, you know, the scars on her back and then the, the fact that she's leaking tears. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't know how she realizes it, but apparently Aura has changed. Yeah, she's gone through an entire fucking arc and is now yeah. a like almost human-like. Mm-hmm. And she says something about the fact that she's just not the same person and she tells she she lets the she lets Dale know that Ming uses blue chew <laughs> <laughs> and uh something I forget uh, I, I forget what she says like that he uses blue chew before fucking and they come in to get Dale ready for the wedding it's a whole thing uh, yeah uh, basically you know it was a dale says that oh to put poison know, right like you could put poison yeah. in it mm-hmm. like in his blue and, chew yeah uh, well basically you know she used used poison to essentially kill herself but dale says no that's not the way to go out how you know humans um our honor is the only thing that we have yeah and she made a promise to ming which she never actually did but hey that's true. 
So then the fucking, it doesn't matter because the fucking Flash theme song comes back and we're like, holy shit, I forgot how dope this is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's Flash on the Sky Cycle, uh, Hawkman in the air, Voltan, you know, a couple of the other guys. And essentially they had to create three sets of dummies in order to fell out the entire screen with Hawkman. So all those Hawkman you see on there, not computer generated, all practical effects. It's just little dummies and medium-sized dummies holy shit mm-hmm. yeah and pretty much the same goes with uh was it the giant uh, rocket ship ajax you know they made some massive models for the movie you know including ming's you know ship when it came over to sky city that stuff i want to say it was like one quarter size of you know what they were planning on as actual ships so those things were fucking huge and that's one of the reasons why they needed the hangar you know, next to the other sound stages so that they could actually build them and film that stuff there. Wow, dude. Yeah, because it looks so legit. Like, uh-huh. it doesn't look super cheesy. Like, it just looks super cool, and it works for this movie. And the the Red Robe guys, they start firing at Flash in his space jet ski, and they, they have... They, <laughs> and honestly... Fucking, they have bad aim, just like stormtroopers. Like, they don't fucking hit shit. Uh, Then Flash leads the ship into a trap, and Prince Volton is is hype about it. He's like, fuck yeah, dude, we're going to fuck some dudes up. Because it's kind of like through some clouds and shit, so it's like foggy and shit. Yeah, essentially, it's like a Star Trek, uh, you know, uh, trap. You know, essentially, the Enterprise is going into a place where no one dares to go, and they follow them in, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, dude. Then it's a full firefight. We get a bunch. We get the Queen rock music happening throughout this whole scene, oh, which is so fucking yes. dope. Mm-hmm. Perfect for this kind of like you would have never thought. Like, oh, Queen in a spaceship battle. Like that's great. Like you would have never thought that, but it fucking works. And there's like a big old titty bomb that you put on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. That's one hell of a titty bomb. That's a titty Woo! bomb right there. If I ever seen one. And then the Flash heads out, and he's like, he's. I say the Flash because I'm so used to reading Flash comics, but Flash heads out and he saves. He saves this one dude. I think his name's Biro or something. And uh, he, hero, he, hero, Biro, hero. Yeah. And he did. They detonate the bomb, which opens up the ship for infiltration. They get in. And I guess there's no air pressure in these chi- ships because there's a giant hole in it, but nobody like it's like walking into our yeah, room. Yeah, nothing, nothing flies out, and yeah, <laughs> apparently that really didn't affect anyone. Yeah, it's like opening a window. <laughs> so then, <laughs> Voltan comes through and he shoots some fools. Then, then all of a sudden we kind of cut to the wedding where they already have like a nice painting of Dell up, which is crazy fast. Like holy shit! Yeah, that that's impressive. You know, they got some good workers. There. I was impressed, and uh, the princess stabs one of the soldiers, and he cries like a baby raptor. And Hora <laughs> lets lets Prince uh, uh, Baron know that she doesn't want to really be with him right now because he's like trying to hit on her. He's like, bitch, if you love me, I'll fucking save the universe. And she's like, not right now, bro. I'm I'm not really interested. Well, it's just like an inconvenient time. I mean, he's trying to propose while they're trying to, uh, you know, stop the wedding from happening. Uh, For some reason, you know, Baron asks, you know, you must tell me more about this Houdini. I don't know why, but I found that kind of funny for some reason. That is weird, dude. I was like, what the fuck? And also, why is Baron? Well, you know, at first I was like, why is Baron so horny? I'm like, oh, he's probably a virgin. And he looks like he's like 25 years old, maybe more. 
this was one of uh, Dalton's first acting, you know, first big acting role. Was actually, I don't think he was a virgin, but just the fact that her pussy was so good, he couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> I'm glad that not just Tim mentions pussy on this show. I'm glad that. Uh, no, come on. I I use it. You know, I use it conservatively. Not you know, not willy nilly saying pussy, pussy. Well, you had said it twice, but now you've said it four times. <laughs> yeah, you know, my bad. <laughs> I will pay for this one later. <laughs> so then the princess uh, stabs one of the soldiers. Um, wait, I already said that part. So then, um, so then, <laughs> so what does Flash have to do? Just blow up something. You just got to blow up some shit. And um, we get, um, I honestly, I think we get like a metal version of the wedding song playing, which is pretty cool. Okay, <laughs> another note about this. Yeah, they get the Queen version of the Wedding March, March. but what Queen was actually playing during this was Shine On You Crazy Diamond by Pink Floyd. Oh, shit, I didn't even notice yeah, that. Even, Fuck. Yeah, they, they were trying to get people, they were trying to get the you know, cast and the extras in the mood for the whole wedding situation, and that was the only song that they could think of at the moment. So they played that, but they just overdubbed it with the Wedding March. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> So then the lady that looks like the Wicked Queen, uh, what's her name again? The... Uh, General Kala. She gets Kala. shot by Kala. Prince Baron, and essentially she just melts like the Wicked Witch. She does, dude. Yeah, she just fucking melts. Uh, and then uh, Volton tells Flash, um, they're ba- we're back at the ship, and Volton tells Flash goodbye because he's basically on a damn suicide mission because Flash is just going to run right into the fucking ceremony ship. Mm-hmm. Into Ming's ship and just run right into the ceremony, and Dalton and the Doc come through, and we find out what's behind those Power Man Five Thousand goggles, which is not good. It turns out they're like connected oh. to their fucking brains or some shit. <laughs> it's like... Only it's like a worse version of the Borg from you know Star Trek. It is, dude. It's so cool though. Like who thought of that? And and they make that awful sound when all of them go down and the smoke rises. Yeah, dude. They all shut down as soon as they disconnect one of them, which is so cool. And then. Uh, Fucking Prince Baron isn't going to waste time with the lightning field or some shit. He heads out to one of the sectors and takes out some useless goons. He's a he's a badass fucking Robin Hood dude. Like he's awesome. I like his character. Like I think I think I think Prince Baron, like, he had he also had a kind of an arc. He was kind of like just horny. Then he was kind of just jealous. Then he's like, you know what? I kind of want to like try to do something with my life. I want to try to be a little bit more than what I already am. And he, yeah, there, there's there had to be some meaning in all of it, not just being kind of a dick, you know, but you know, being a proper ruler, if you will. Yeah, he's like the Sir Lancelot of this movie, except he doesn't get to fuck. Yeah, he doesn't fuck one of you. Yeah, he doesn't fuck one of you. Oh damn, that just contradicted my earlier discussion. Sorry, man. <laughs> So then, Mead comes out uh, for the wedding, and he looks badass, of course. Like, he's got, like, a gold fucking <laughs> cow, or not a cow, but he has a collar. Anything, yeah, anything you say between the, the what he's wearing, the bald head, and the Fu Manchu beard. And we gotta call it a beard because it looks like a beard, but it's just fucking badass. It's amazing. Like, it all comes together very well. The, they did a fantastic job. 
uh, making this guy that looks like a fucking I don't I don't know what Max is, but he just looks like a German guy to me. But I well, don't know what he yeah, is. Ma- Max, I think Max is actually uh, he's either Danish or Swedish, but th- he comes off looking very Asian. And you know, like you said, you know, it's offensive by today's standards, but back in the time, it really yeah, worked I mean, well. They made him look like the comic book character. Like that's what they did. They put a bunch of shit on his face, and he looks just like Ming the Merciless in the comic book. And uh, and yeah, it's hilarious. And um, then the priest is um, like, "You promise not to blast her into space." And Ming is like, "Well, I wouldn't say that much. <laughs> oh, not uh, for uh, for the hour. For the hour, yes." So then we see this Jets, New York Jets quarterback heading toward the Lightning Field, in the ship, just preparing to kamikaze this bitch. And the lightning mm-hmm. field gets deactivated all like right in time. The flash yeah. crashes. Boom. Yeah, and was it just before it crashes, you know, Ming yells Gordon and Diallo yells Flash and she runs off saying, Go Flash, go <laughs> And essentially he just runs the tip of the ship right through Ming and bam, that was a good effect. I gotta say, Steve, one of the best fucking killings i have seen like and it's not even gory it's just the epicness of taking a full ship and impaling somebody with it that's in another ship (laughs) is insane that's one hell of a fuck you it's like the ultimate bullseye (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like holy shit dude and i i love darts so i was like holy shit the idea of stabbing someone in the chest with a fucking ship is so cool to me so had so much fun with that part so then Ming is all fired up, and he says his life is not for any earthling to take. He's like being – he's still full of himself. You know, he's like, dude, I do not deserve to die by a fucking Jets quarterback. <laughs> but, yeah, but, I mean, if he did die by that Jets quarterback, he would have gotten killed with a badass sword. <laughs> I like the idea of you replace Flash Gordon with Vinny Testaverde. I want the, oh, I want the Vinny oh, Testaverde no. version of this movie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, God, that would be so funny. So, yes, he eventually fucking disappears into his power Listen, ring, right, or some shit. No, he essentially killed. Oh, he, does he, he kill- commits suicide with the oh. ring. Oh. Yeah, because the ring could you know, essentially, you know, I guess disintegrate you know, its target. So he kills himself. I didn't realize that's what he did. Holy shit. Okay. Fuck. I thought maybe like his soul went into it. Oh, so he killed himself with the ring to vaporize yep. himself. And uh, Volton is alive, and the robot drone thing is, is... At first, we're like, holy shit, this isn't good. But then he's like, you know what, Flash? You're the new leader. Fuck yeah, dude. You're awesome. Long live Flash. You saved Earth. Have a nice day. And then he just jumps to this camera and says, yeah! <laughs> and then it, and then cue the reprise of the theme song. So good. They appoint mm-hmm. Volton to general of all the armies. They announce that every breed of Mongo will live in peace. And Baron is the official new ruler of Mongo. Hell yeah, with this mustache. And Flash and Dell decide they're going to head the fuck out of this place. Go back to Earth. The Hawkman spell out thanks, Flash, which is kind of the really cool effect. I'm not sure how they did that, yes. but it looks dope. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. and then And then cue the final scene of the movie. Yeah, tell me about where this. Someone, <laughs> yeah, where essentially a uh, black-gloved figure uh, picks up Ming's ring, and it says, The End, question mark. And what it was alluded to was Clytus actually survived that little incident because originally what was supposed to happen was this was supposed to be the first movie in a trilogy. 
He, oh, you know, basically, okay. Yeah, they it was Adina wanted to do a trilogy he, for Flash Gordon, but um, certain things happened that just didn't make it happen. Um, all right, so now getting to like the financials of the movie itself. Yeah. Um, it was not a hit when it came out to theaters, especially stateside and Canada. It made essentially it made roughly twenty. Uh, hold on one second, I'm looking at this right now. Um, in the U.S. and Canada, it made roughly twenty-seven million, and which was below their expectations. You know, it opened. I think um, it opened up on eight hundred twenty-five screens. So back in nineteen eighty, that really wasn't that much still regarding. But overseas in uh, the U.K. and in Italy, it ended up grossing around. Just under twenty million, which was far exceeding their expectations, and this was primarily due to uh, Princess Aura and General Calla, since they were two well-known Italian actresses. Is that kind of boosted up their uh, you know, numbers there? So, in all, it was kind of a hit, not a big hit that they wanted, you know, but it, it made money. Yeah. So, pretty much what had happened during uh, the filming of Flash Gordon is. Um, I guess Sam Jones being kind of uh, naive, young, and cocky as all hell, uh, got into a bunch of altercations, you know, um, he kind of messed up his face a little bit before they started, you know, know, shooting, and then also he had a couple of issues with, you know, Dino, because I I guess his contract stated that he wasn't getting paid regularly like the other actors were, so Sam's representation told him, you know, just... You know, stop showing up, you know, take a break from uh, the movie, then, you know, it'll work itself out. However, you know, towards the end of the movie, they broke for a hol- you know, for the holiday a seasons. And essentially, while you know, Sam came back stateside, uh, Dino fired him because of how he was acting. Wow. Yeah, so um, basically, uh, Sam wasn't even allowed to come back to redub his, you know, his lines in the movie. He, they ended up getting a... a uh, another person actually dub his lines, uh, a guy by the name of Peter Marinker. So every line that you hear in the movie has been redubbed by Peter Marinker. Or essentially, is a British uh, actor uh, playing an American. And if you listen to like old um, you know, videos of Sam Jones back in the '80s, he sounded a hell of a lot like Marinker. So the dubbing was actually pretty good on it. It's just that Jones never got a chance to do his own dubbing. You know, and it was kind of a sore spot for him for years as well. So Wow, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be the other reason why, that would pretty much be the main reason as to why Dino never did a trilogy for this, because essentially they fired Sam. You know, he was going to be, you know, in all three movies, but that was kind of like the big reason as to why they didn't go on to you know, do it, because like I said, it made money. And it didn't make, you know, like, as much as they thought, but it was still successful, so. Wow, dude. All right. Well, fuck it, man. Well, I still am glad they at least made this version. At least they got one part out of it. And as you all know, I do like to do a quick impression of some of my favorite parts in the movies that I cover in the podcast, yo. And this is a segment I like to call Quick Impressions. Quick impressions. Fly back to your kingdom. You may see me sooner than you think. Lying bitch. And that's a quick impression. 
<laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so much effort in that. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so as you know, Steve, I like to rate these movies by my favorite mustaches. You have the full Fu Manchu recommendation. You have the walrus mustache recommendation for pretty damn good. The horseshoe mustache recommendation for eh, not bad. And the Hitler mustache recommendation for burn this movie in hell. I have a feeling I know what you're going to give this movie, but Steve, what do you give this movie? All right. Well, last time I was on here, I did it for Marked for Death, and I forget what was the actual you know rating. Me I gave. too. I, mean, I gave it the <laughs> yeah. I gave it the highest one, but I did something different with it. So I'm going to kind of do the same thing. Uh, I'm either going with Fu Ming Chu <laughs> or Fuzilla because I, I cannot recommend this movie enough. Like I said, growing up, it was my favorite movie. I've seen it so many times. I know pretty much just about everything about it. Um, and honestly, it was ju- it's absolutely worth it. So if you ever get a chance, anyone you know, out in the listening public, please check this movie out. It is so worth it. Hell yeah, dude. I also give it the full Fu Manchu recommendation. Absolutely had a good time with it. I cannot wait to watch it again. I think I, at first watch, you're going to miss some things just because there's so much going on. And like I said, it just connects you to childhood, to imagination, to just so much. And being able to connect a comic book to the to film, I think they they gave it such a good swing, man. I just I just had a good time with it. I just had a really good time with it. I can't wait to see it again. I really do wish they were able to complete a trilogy. It's unfortunate it didn't work out. But, Steve, thank you so much for bringing this to the show, man. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. I, honestly, you know, getting into, you know, starting the recording of the podcast episodes with, you know, you, Mike, Bobby, Eddie, you know, from all the shows. Honestly, if there was a movie I ever wanted to cover on any of these podcasts, this was the one. Yeah, dude, like you are a basically an encyclopedia <laughs> for this movie, which is really awesome to like to, to just to hear everything, you know, off the top of your head. I feel like you're not even really l- referencing notes. I just think you know this stuff. Yeah, you know, I had the notes up just to be on the safe side, but honestly, I didn't need it for this one. It was just, just that good. So do you have anything to plug for the show? Do you have anything coming up or any um, guest spots that you might want people to check out? Uh, I don't have any guest spots coming up, but as always, uh, I always like mentioning the other show. It was uh, the Grind Bin Podcast with Mike Wood, Bobby Trippett, and a bunch of co-hosts such as Tim Yobo, yourself, Eddie the A. Acts, uh, apparently Candace, uh, allegedly Matt. Um, yeah, dude. yeah, was it uh, the last time I was on there? I did uh, Superman for the Quest for Peace, which uh, up, right. yes, which apparently uh, Tanner should have been on. So fuck you, Tanner. Yeah, dude, we didn't need him on there, dude. I'm glad you were there before <laughs> instead of uh, him. <laughs> I appreciate that. But also, I want to mention uh, the Bloody Bits Horror Show podcast. Take that, Tim. Hell yeah. All right, yeah, the Bloody Bits Horror Show podcast with Eddie... Uh, the Axe Jefferson. Yeah, thank you. Tim Yobo and Candace, along with various co-hosts such as yourself, Daniel. Oh, I was on there recently for the Trick or Treat episode. Another fine classic indeed. Uh, and also I mentioned uh, the Bloody Bits Horror Show podcast because they have an added bonus feature for their Patreon uh, 
memberships, uh, the Blood Bank. So for the low, low price of $10 a month, you too can have access to over 2,600 movies and TV shows, stuff that you can't normally find on the regular streaming services such as Netflix, Hulu, and what have you. And they also have this movie on there because you you can't easily find it. So Yeah, dude. That's how I watched this movie was through the Blood Bank. I am... Uh, subscriber to the Patreon for the blood uh, for Bloody Bits podcast um, or the Bloody Bits Horror Show, which I honestly just before this episode, um, you know, life caught up to me. Didn't have a time to release an episode, so I released an, my an old episode of the Howling, which is the second episode of the Bloody Bits Horror Show. So y'all should be very familiar for those of y'all that actually listen to this show every episode. And yes, definitely worth subscribing to them if you are into any of these kind of movies, whether you like sci-fi, horror movies, weird movies, just the most random ass shit. The fucking blood bank has it all. So, Steve, you are absolutely accurate. Steve, thank you so much for joining the show. Truly appreciate it. Is there any way if anyone's interested in following you, do you have any social media or anything like that? Or do you just are you just kind of like a uh, someone that just doesn't fuck with that? Uh, normally I don't fuck with it. I do have an Instagram. Um, you can probably find me on there somewhere. Here, just follow Daniel or Sir Charles of Sacktown, um, Mike, and you'll probably find me in one of those places. But Instagram, <laughs> uh, Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, no Twitter, surprisingly, but hey. Yeah, yeah, who needs Twitter, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, you can follow the Mustachio Podcastio on, on Instagram at Mustachio Podcastio, M-O-U-S-T-A-S-H-E-O. You can also, if you want, if you are a Twitter user, you love, you just love uh, figuring out what kind of shows I'm into. I always retweet a lot of my favorite podcasts, a lot of the places, uh, the, I mean, not places, but podcasts that I've hosted, uh, co-hosted or guested on. Uh, you can also find those on there. So that's at M Podcastio, and you can learn more about what's coming up and things like that. So definitely check that out. Steve, thank you so much for joining the show. Truly appreciate it, bro. Oh, thank you for having me. And until next time, y'all, we'll check y'all later. Bye.